Our scripture readings this morning are from the book of Galatians chapter 3 and 4 and Ephesians 5, uh, beginning in Galatians 3, uh, beginning in verses 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Think of it on this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything the father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach the, the whatever age that their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles, spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is the word of the Lord. I'll ask Jackie to put our slide up there again. Uh, it gives the emphasis we've had for this year. Uh, uh, 2015, we're going to be talking about this a lot. Jim started it off last Sunday. Uh, our theme for the year is it's all his, it's his story, it's his time his assets, and his resources. And this morning, and actually next Sunday morning as well, we're going to be emphasizing it's his time. I don't own a minute. I don't have a minute. I can't buy a minute. I can't give you a minute. There is no my time. Every second that I have is his time. And he's gracious enough to give me another second and another second of life. I was really caught a few Sundays ago when Jim was talking about that moment when for him time was suspended. Do you remember that? And, and he was talking about the birth of Hannah and he, was, and he was saying what it felt like, what an experience it was for him to be in a situation where time was just suspended. Well, it took me back to a moment in my life uh, when time was just suspended as well. In about 1981, Brenda and I were over at Ridgecrest Conference Center in uh, North Carolina, 
and we got a call. It said that our little uh, nine-year-old nephew, Kyle, had been in a horrible accident. Uh, it, he had come, gotten home from school, and it was before his mom had gotten there, and there had been very heavy rains in uh, that, our little town, and Kyle had been playing out in the front yard, and, and there was a ditch line at the front of their yard, and he had been playing with a couple of kids out there in the water, and somehow Kyle got into the pipe that went underneath the driveway uh, there, and, and the vacuum that was created just pulled him in to that pipe, and uh, the water was backing up. It was still raining heavily, and that water was backing up, and his mother pulled in, and she tried to come and, and get him out, but she was unable to do that. The uh, emergency people pulled up. They used the jaws of life, and they opened that pipe up, and they uh, stat flighted him to Cabell County Hospital in Huntington, West Virginia, and, and put him in ICU and put him on a ventilator. I've been in ICU room, and I've heard that ventilator lots of times, but I'll tell you, this was my first time in 1981, and I was looking at Kyle on that hospital bed, and he was so beautiful, he was so innocent, and uh, I was praying as hard as I could. I'd been a seminary student, I thought I knew a lot, I could write a paper on theology, I could translate a passage from Greek, uh, but I was standing there and I felt so weak trying to pray for Kyle. And I was asking God to heal him, to bring him out of that situation. And, you know, your mind's on one thing in that situation. Time is completely suspended. You don't care about time. I mean, you could care less what you have on, where you're going to go on vacation, what you're going to eat for dinner that night. You have one concern. Will he breathe one more time? And at that moment, time is suspended. So let's think about time for just a moment or two. You know, time is the most equitable commodity in all of the world. Not everybody in the world has the same quality of air. Some people live in smoggy places and some people live in gorgeous places like that slide that's up there right now. Not everybody has the same amount or the same quality of water. Some people live in situations where they're drinking out of horrible places, and there, there are some who are by crystal clear mountain springs, and they're drinking very clean, cool water. Not everybody has the same quality or quantity of food. There are folks who have to get up in the morning and they go out and they scrounge for something to eat that day. They don't have anything put back for tomorrow. They're trying to get something for today. And lots of times uh, it's not high quality food. It's not in a hygienic or a sanitized area. It's very rough. Many of us that have been on some of these mission trips have seen scenes just almost exactly like 
we're seeing on the screen right now. And then there are some of us, like those who live in America, who have a bounty of food. I mean, it's more than we can eat in a day. Most of us have pantries, and in those pantries is stocked food uh, that can not just do us for a day or two, but could do us for lots of days ahead. Some of us could probably lock the door and just be fed there on what we have in our house today for a long period of time. But everybody in the world, every continent, every country, everybody in the world, this tall and over seven feet tall, we all have the same amount of time There's nobody who has any more time than you or I have. It's the most equitable commodity in all the world. It's just like God has a bank for us. And in that bank is 86,400 seconds deposited every day. The deal is, though, that the the bank account's closed every night. You have 86,400 seconds Every day. Now you can't move it forward. You can't do like rollover minutes. You can't roll it over to the next day. You can't say I'm going to take a certain amount of my time today and I'm going to move it over in this account for tomorrow. You can't borrow uh, on the time that you have like making a loan at the bank. It's 86,400 seconds. And if you are in a dusty, dirty village in South Africa, or if you're living in the penthouse in Manhattan on the east side, New York City, you, we all have the same amount of time. God doesn't allow overdrafts on this time. So I want us to think for just a moment about the word time. I want to do something that I don't ever do. I'm going to uh, lay an outline out here. My old seminary professor, preaching professor, said, never show the skeleton. I'm going to break that rule today. I'm going to show the skeleton, T-I-M-E, T, treasure, I, invest, M, margin, E, enjoy. Excuse me, treasure, invest, margin, and enjoy. God says that we're to treasure the time we have as a valuable commodity. We all number our years, but we probably should number our days. We don't have any promise of tomorrow. No one here has a promise of another minute of time. We should treasure uh, the time that we have. Ask the value of a year to a student who has failed a grade Ask the value of one month to a mother who had a premature baby. Ask a businessman whose flight was delayed the value of an hour and the loss of a great business deal. Ask a man who's had a heart attack and there happens to be EMT sitting over at a table close to him the value of a minute. Ask a person who is almost in a head-on crash the value of one second, ask an Olympic swimmer who missed qualifying by six-tenths of one second. 
Time is valuable. We can't keep it. We can't make it. We throw these phrases out. Oh, I need to buy some time. I think I'm going to make a little time. You can't buy time. You can't make time. It's a gift from God, and we're to treasure it. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift, and that's why we call it the present. That's exactly right. Tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. You can make more money. It might be difficult. You might have a really hard time making money. You might have to go out and dig ditches, whatever, but you can make more money. You cannot make one minute of time. It's impossible. You cannot do it. So therefore, we should treasure it. There are people that say time is money. No. No, that's not true. Time is far more valuable than money. might be hard to make money. You can do it. But it's totally impossible to make more time. So let's also talk about investing. We use a lot of phrases. I've just mentioned several. You can't buy more time. You can't really find more time. We speak of making time. That's impossible. You can't save time, but you can invest time. So let me ask you, how are you investing the time that you have right now? Are you investing the time that God has given you for God's purposes and God's kingdom right now? Are you doing that? There are some people who are listening to me in this room who very clearly understand you can't make more time. It's impossible. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't have any guarantee about tomorrow. But we know that God has given us this day, today, and God would love for us to invest it in His kingdom. I want to talk to young ladies and young men for just a second or two. I've watched through the years that... I'll use the example that a young lady is dating a young man. He's super busy. He's a workaholic. He's going 10, 12 hours a day. And, and he's saying to her, you know, we'll have time later on. We'll, we'll spend time together later on. It's just that I want to get to this certain point. I'm, I'm really busy ditching. Ditcher. Okay, because it doesn't, I've seen, I've lived too long. It doesn't work that way. Uh, That's not the way that God has asked us to do. There's a great quote from Billy Graham that I want to ask Jackie to put on the screen. Billy Graham said, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. People are the stocks in which we are to invest our time. Whether they're blue chips or penny stocks or even junk bonds, We're to be investing our time in people. So I want to give you just a moment to think about how are you investing your time and are you investing your time in people? Because what else is worth it? What else is worth it? Are you investing your time in people? There's 168 hours in every week. 
The average person, these studies tell us, will spend about 58 of those hours sleeping, 24 hours eating and personal hygiene, about 50 of those hours working or traveling to work. To work. That means that there are about 35 hours a week of discretionary time left over. It's about five hours a day. Where are you investing those hours? Are you consciously thinking about the investment that you're making each day with the 86,400 banked minutes that God has given you to spend? Now, most of us have such good intentions, and we're thinking, you know, I want to get to a certain point. I'm going to work to a certain point, and then I'll have a plenty of time to be able to go out and do these things for God that I've wanted to do. I talk to people who say things like that to me all the time. They're great people, wonderful people, the best of intentions. We just don't know about that. I mean, nobody's got any kind of guarantee about that. I think God would rather us get up every morning and think about how can I invest the time that I have for him right now. But I want to also mention the M in time, margin. We all need to find a way to have a certain margin in our lives. Uh, Margin's that space between the load and the limit. And we need to work really hard on making sure there's margin there between the load and the minute. People who live a marginless life are the kind that get to the doctor 20 minutes late because they got out of the barber shop 10 minutes late. They dropped off their children five minutes late, and, and they're living this marginless plan. Uh, but a good plan leaves some room for margin, some room for error. Marginless is not having time to finish the book you're reading on stress. <laughs> margin is having the time to read it twice. We all need to find a way to have some margin in our lives. Emmett Smith is one of the greatest running backs ever. You name the awards for a football player, a running back, basically Emmett got them, got them primarily with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, But in reading about Emmett Smith and, and how he accomplished such tremendous things, the sports writer said he wasn't the biggest He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the strongest. What he excelled at was running with his eyes open. That's what the experts called it, running with his eyes open. And he's one of the best at seeing holes as they open and then running through them. But what Emmett Smith was really great at was was running and then pausing. You watch. Now, all of this takes place in milliseconds. And you don't really see it, but that's what he's doing. He's running and he's pausing. And pausing for just this millisecond, he sees that hole, he sees that margin. Emmett Smith knew how to move to the margin in his running. And we need to get to the same point that we find some kind of margin. We're looking for those holes, for those spaces where if for five minutes or ten minutes whatever, we we spend time with our Lord uh, and and we build that margin in. And then enjoy. 
learn to enjoy life. I learned this in a very hard way with my own family. I've mentioned this before. I want to mention it again because it's burned into my soul. My sister and my brother-in-law had four fantastic children. I am prejudiced. And uh, my brother-in-law was uh, very successful as an attorney. He had a lot of great big settlements. Um, uh, he held a lot of uh, good companies on retainer and et cetera. But he talked to me about quality time. He said, I just don't have quantity time with the kids, Tim. I just don't. But we have quality time. They, had, they were enjoying life. They had a home at Naples, Florida. They had a home uh, at the University City where they'd gone to school. They had their home place. Uh, they could do about whatever they wanted to do. But very, he was very, very busy and still looking maybe for a week here or a few days there, maybe go on a ski trip a few days, maybe go to the beach for a week or so, and the rest of the time it's just 12 hours a day working on these important cases and uh, building up a reputation and etc. Those four kids went to high school, four kids went to college, they got married. I had the pleasure of officiating all four of their weddings, and they were starting to have children. My sister died. Just no prior disease, just died. And, and there they were. And there's no chance of quantity time at that point, the family was so shaken. I'm using a pretty heavy example, and I know that. I know this is a heavy example. But I don't apologize for it because it's life. It's how things really are. It's how things can be. None of us have a guarantee of one more minute, one more second. And so I would encourage you to think about the time that God has given you And I would encourage you to find every way that he leads you to invest the most important commodity that God has given you, and that's time. Way far more important than anything that you may have in a bank or whatever. Bobby Campbell mentioned to me about this analog clock. He said, I love an analog clock. I hate a digital clock. You know, Bobby, you can hear him saying that. I hate a digital clock. Because when you look at that digital clock, it's just in your face, 11.15, whatever. And you look at an analog clock and you can kind of see where you've been, what happened, think about what happened a couple hours ago, and you can think about maybe what's going to happen this afternoon. It's all there on an analog clock. And so I would encourage you as we prepare for the Lord's Supper to just take a moment, look at that clock, And as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, just think about how you've invested the time that God's given you. Have you treasured it? Do you have a margin built in to your life now? And are you enjoying the time that you have?